Podcasters, assemble! Hey everyone, it's Rob here, your friendly neighborhood comic geek. Hi, I'm Jason from Drinkopedia Podcast. Hi, this is Arjuna Gonzalez from Thoughts from the Level Editor. I'm Travis Bowe from the Real Comic Heroes Podcast. This is Troidal Power from the Power Playthroughs Podcast. This is Becky, um, Troy's wife. This is Tyler from Too Young for This Hit. And this is... Thor. 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 So it really sells this movie. The only reason this movie works, as well as it does, is the relationship between Thor and Loki. This movie introduces us to Loki, who is one of the, not the only long-lasting villain in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, He's great, and he's great in this movie at being conniving. From the very beginning, Loki is clearly scheming constantly. At the start of the movie, Loki goads Thor into going and attacking the Frost Giants just for a laugh. I don't think he really had any deep intention behind it. He just thought it'd be funny to do. I liked the stuff in Asgard where it does go sort of big and cosmic-y. And that was a thing that I personally was really excited to see and happy to see that they pulled off. And I think it was smart for them to say, all right, he's not going to wear the helmet anymore. We see him in it so us comic fans can get that imagery We get to see it, but then we don't have to stick with it the whole time. Thor, Warriors 3, Lady Sif, and Loki go to fight the Frost Giants. And you get to see Thor using his hammer, um, sort of taking out everybody almost by himself. Everyone gets pretty good use of like their powers, you know, their abilities in that scene. But I really want to focus on Thor because he just gets to go full Thor. And it's like so early in the movie. And yeah, you just get to see Thor's greatest hits. Uh, He uses Mjolnir as like a helicopter to fly around. He uses Mjolnir like a helicopter to throw like rocks or stones or ice or something at the Frost Giants. He throws Mjolnir through some guy's heads, like tin. It just like pew, 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 pew. And then... He um, gets to use, like, his whole lightning thing to, like, just toss, I don't know, a few, maybe a hundred? No, that's too many. 50, 25, somewhere in the realm of, like, 30 frost giants. He just throws them all away with his use of lightning. And it's a really great action scene. The CG in that is just amazing. It's so cool to see all these, like, frozen structures falling apart and, you know different characters getting slammed into them and all of the awesome CGI effects and especially that monster towards the end and the fight that happens between it and Thor when you see like the giant hole that he's punched in its face and like it falling off of the cliff and all of that it's just oh my god it's it blows any previous CG fight scene in any of these previous movies out of the water in my opinion. I will say I was disappointed in the way that the Warriors 3 were used or underused, and the same with Lady Sif. I think they could have done more maybe to round out those characters, not necessarily in this film, certainly in in later um, installments of the, the Thor series, but I was hoping we would have gotten a little more out of them this time. 
And then once it happens and Thor gets kicked out, then I think Loki starts building towards the idea of taking the throne. Thor's hammer is stuck in the ground in the big pit, and there are tons of random men just, like, standing in line trying to all pick it up. Obviously, nobody can pick it up. Um, and there's, you know, somebody barbecuing, so it's like this whole event. And um, then there's a guy in a truck, and you don't see who's in the truck, but then another guy is, like, helping him tie a chain to the back of the truck and to the hammer. And then um, he starts to drive the truck and it pulls the truck bed off and flips it upside down. And then Stanley sticks his head out of the window and goes, did it work? And all the men just start laughing hysterically. And then another nicer truck pulls up um, and you see somebody step out and you only see their shoes. And then it pans up and it's Coulson. Um, and he walks over to the edge and calls his boss and is like, Sir, we found it. Um, I really, really like Jane portrayed by Natalie Portman. I think she is really great in this movie. She seems to be enjoying herself. They have great chemistry. My favorite scenes in the Thor movies are when Thor just absolutely doesn't understand Earth. Like simple, normal Earth things. He's eating in the diner and he's just chowing down on pancakes and um, he has coffee and he, he finishes it and he throws his, he goes, he goes, this drink, I really like it. And then throws his mug on the floor and breaks it. And uh, Jane gets really mad at him and was like, why didn't you just ask for another? And he's like, I just did. So um, my favorite line by far is uh, when he walks into the pet shop and he goes, I need a horse. And the uh, guy working in the pet shop who looks a lot like Little Dicky, he's just like, uh, we only have like dogs, cats, and birds. And um, Thor responds, give me one of those that's large enough to ride. And all of the animals you really see in the shop are just like really small dogs. So just like the image of Thor riding a chihuahua just comes into my mind and that just sounds hilarious. Um, but also it's really confusing because why do they have horses in Asgard but not other animals? Another line that stood out to me was the line where Thor is explaining Yggdrasil, the you know network of wormholes between the different worlds, I guess to Jane, and he says, Your ancestors called it magic, but you call it science. I come from a land where they're one and the same. And I thought that was really funny because, um, you know, there there's a lot of things out there that, that can be interpreted as magic, but it has a scientific explanation. So I thought that was pretty cool. So I'm, I'm not, it's not that I really liked that line. It's just I thought about it for a while after watching the movie. Because I've had like actual IRL debates with people in organic farming circles and similar environmentalist circles where they're trying to promote this idea that came out of the New Age movement, I think, that tries to say that like religion and science are all kind of going towards the same thing. And so I've been sensitive to like how we talk about 
the relationship between science and scientific investigation and myth-making and religious traditions that still stick around today. And I'm glad that the way they're handling it within the fictional universe, because it's part of our culture, it's part of our cultural discourse, is that none of the characters walk away from this hanging on to some sort of belief that isn't based in anything. There's this sense that the that Yggdrasil works on some kind of physics that can be scientifically understood. I like the way that it seems to handle those ideas. One of the things I don't quite understand about this movie is the Odin sleep. So, like, Loki and Odin are talking, and Odin reveals that, you know, in actuality, Loki is, is, is he was a little baby frost giant, and, and Odin stole him from Wafi and brought him back to Asgard to raise as his own. And and it's a really, like, intense dramatic scene where, where Odin reveals that, like, Loki's been being lied to his whole life, and that's kind of messed up. Um, Loki's got a little bit of a right to be upset about this i think he's not just evil for the sake of being evil he's evil because he's been lied to his whole life and he's kind of trying to figure out where he belongs in this world and also he wants to get his father to respect him so he gets really angry at odin he's yelling and then odin falls into like his odin sleep thing in the middle of the scene, like, Odin just falls over, and they're like, oh yeah, he fell into the Odin sleep. You know, that that thing Odin does where he just, you know, passes out every once in a while, I guess? I, it's, it's just a weird concept. And that's, I mean, that's how Loki gets powers, because Odin's, he's just taking a nap. Therefore, Loki gets to be in charge. Night-night, Odin. Just, like, how Loki reacts to that, like, how upset he gets, even though this is kind of ultimately what turned him into a villain, you can still, he see, he still cares about his father. There are so many wonderful things about the action scene in the middle of the movie where Thor goes and breaks into the shield base in order to try to get back his hammer. He's uh, depowered, and it's just... Thor going up against the shield agents in the rain, which is a really solid action scene. He tries to do a stealth mission. I love stealth video games. I am historically pretty bad at stealth video games, but I like them. And that's what makes me like this stealth attempt from Thor so much is that he's bad at them too. So he, uh, he sneaks down to the base and Ooh, he gets through the fence and there's two guards in a vehicle and he takes them out real quick. Good job, Thor. You've taken out two guards and he steals one of their, their parkas and puts that over himself to disguise himself. And then the alarms go off. Thor gets through two guards before the alarms go off. He's so bad at stealth. Granted, he, he himself doesn't get spotted right away, but the base goes on to high alert, like, immediately once he gets in there. Bad job, Thor. But then he does a great job of beating up everybody else in there. He's fighting through a bunch of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. Sitwell and Coulson are kind of monitoring the, uh, the, the hammers this is happening, and there's a lot of energy coming off the hammer, which I don't understand why that's happening, because Thor doesn't... He's not worthy of the hammer right now. I guess maybe just an Asgardian being close by makes it have energy. In any case... Coulson, as uh, as all the guards are getting beat up, calls out for, we need eyes in the sky with a gun. He doesn't really do anything. No one really calls him Hawkeye. No one even calls him Clint. But he's there. So uh, Thor's trying to break into S.H.I.E.L.D.'s 
uh, research lab where they're looking at Mjolnir. And uh, Coulson's like, I need a guy with a gun up high. And instead, you get a scene where someone from first person is like looking at a gun, but then they decide to grab a bow. Oh, snap, it's Hawkeye. And then they hop in a crane and uh, this guy who is apparently Hawkeye, um, is, he's just like watching Thor throughout this whole scene. As he's watching the fight and uh, starting to root for Thor. He never ends up shooting him. He never does anything. He had an arrow trained on Thor. He could have taken him down, but Coulson told him not to do anything. So Jeremy Renner just showed up in this movie to, to hold a bow in the rain for a couple minutes and not fire a single arrow. But yeah, I mean, it's a pretty cool, like subtle way to introduce a character that'll show up more in other films. And most people probably had no clue who this guy was. I had no clue at the time. And then uh, Thor comes across a really big shield agent. Thor goes, you're big, fought bigger. And then there's a big fight scene where they get out in the mud and it's slow motion and it's rain and mud and they're fighting and wrestling and all the while Hawkeye's waiting to take the shot and Coulson tells him to stand down and wait and then Thor goes to pick up the hammer and Coulson's like I want to see this and he tries to pick up the hammer and then uh, ending that fight with Thor just being so dejected about not being able to lift the hammer is a really solid uh, moment that I think plays really well I love the shield stuff in this movie, getting to see Coulson in action and getting to see Coulson kind of commanding a whole unit of shield uh, agents is, is really cool and just gives me so many feels because I'm such a fan of the agents of shield agents of shield TV show. Um, but I especially like that we meet agent Sitwell in this one. I think he showed up in one of the shorts the, the the Marvel shorts that they released on the DVDs before this, but I'm pretty sure this is the first time we've seen him in the movies. Um, and Sitwell, we'll, we'll talk more about Sitwell later on, but he uh, he's he's a thing in the MCU. So it's cool that we're seeing these background characters kind of introduced here. Uh, Thor has tried to get get the hammer back, and he's been defeated, and he's being detained by you know, shield and Loki shows up and basically tells him that their father has died. And he's such a master manipulator that he instantly tells Thor, don't blame yourself. Um, and, and we know that you know, it's really Loki kind of, of manipulating things and, and, not telling Thor the, you know, not not being entirely truthful, you know. Yes, Odin has fallen into the the, I forget what it's called, into the uh, some kind of some kind of deep sleep, but he's gonna kind of use that to tell Thor that that he's dead and that um, he can't do anything to bring back, bring Thor back because it was his final wish. So just a just a beautifully acted scene by Tom Hiddleston. I think just that cold ruthlessness that he plays Loki with is uh, is just perfection. My favorite line of dialogue is in the scene where Thor and Selvig have gone out to drink after Thor leaves the shield compound, and Selvig is multiple sheets to the wind and. Thor, like, brings him back to Jane's trailer so he can sleep it off. 
and he says, we drank, we fought, he made his ancestors proud. In the whole, ha ha ha, Thor is stuck in the 10th century in Norway and he doesn't understand what things are like in the 21st century shtick that they do in the dialogue and parts of the movie, like, that's the best line to come out of it. I, I will say, I think the worst thing about this movie is the the choice to dye all of uh, Chris Hemsworth's facial hair blonde. It's it's so distracting now, you know, seeing him in everything after this, where he looks normal. Um, but but it's tough to go back to this one and just see him, you know, just visually, he just looks so different. I'm not a huge fan of Thor, but my favorite hero moment of this movie, I mean, it's got to be Chris Hemsworth's blonde eyebrows. What? What, what, what were they thinking? What, what did Kevin Feige think? You know, like, why not just give him his regular dark eyebrows? The blonde, dye his eyebrows? Come on, guys. What? Anyways, it's a, it's a nice little footnote to go back to because Chris Hemsworth himself, so smoking, so sexy, looks stupid in the first Thor movie. Um, it's a little thing. It doesn't change the performance. You know, it doesn't take anything away from um, how good this movie is throughout, but it's very distracting. Oh, I mean, the Thor movies have the best villain, right? It's Loki. Loki is the best. He has swooned the Marvel fan base for 11 years now. Tom Hiddleston himself, just a smoky guy. My favorite villain moment is probably the one closer to the end of the movie where Loki freezes Heimdall so he can bring the Frost Giants into Asgard for the final scene. Mostly because I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna keep gushing about the CG throughout this entire clip, aren't I? The visuals of him, you know, bringing out the casket and freezing Heimdall in place like that, and he's just a giant popsicle with a sword right at his head. And the way they, like, change the face so he looks like the frost giant in the middle of it, it's just, oh my god, it's so well done. I love it. And then I think it goes until um, the destroyer shows up and for the most part fights uh, the warriors three and then well the the whole build-up towards the the finale of the movie there's kind of a few different action sequences involved it basically kicks off with sif and the warriors three showing up on earth at pretty much the same time that the destroyer does uh, and they think they're coming to get thor to join the fight but he's human right now he he can't really fight the destroyer so he tells them they're gonna have to go stall um, make some time basically while he works to help the people of the town escape when the destroyer shows up uh, so sif and the warriors three all march off towards the destroyer and then sif kind of turns away from them and just tells them to uh, keep him distracted and then the the remaining warriors try to go up against the destroyer and they're not doing a great job but while they're fighting him sif kind of runs up some cars across some rooftops leaps from the rooftop and just slams her spear down through the back of the destroyer's neck and out through the front and it's awesome it ends up with her perched on top of him while he's like hunched over on his knees with this spear holding his torso up and it looks like holy smoke sif beat the dang thing and then the destroyer turns around. Each little piece of his body turns around individually until he's facing upwards at Sif and then just blasts her and knocks everybody flying again. I really like this moment because I think 
Sif is a really cool character, but I also like the idea that Thor is going out there to save people. He's not going for glory right now. He's trying to help the people get away. And then afterwards, he tells Sif that she needs to run, and she tells him, nah, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die a warrior's death. They will tell stories of this day. And Thor tells her, no, you go live. You tell those stories. Which kind of undermines the whole going for glory thing, because then he, as a mortal man, goes and walks straight towards the Destroyer all on his own. My favorite hero moment for Thor is the um, standoff in the town where Thor has to face uh, the, the Destroyer. And he has to do this with uh, none of his powers. His friends have shown up and have tried to fight the Destroyer, but haven't been able to um, defeat him. I mean, he is the Destroyer and is imbued with uh, Asgardian magic that makes him indestructible. It feels uh, a little bit like he's going for glory because he knows he can't win. Uh, Fortunately, he is able to uh, talk to Loki as he's walking towards the Destroyer and explain that, you know... Brother, how have I wronged you? Whatever I have done that has led you to this, I am truly sorry. But these people are innocent. Taking their lives will gain you nothing. So take mine and end this. And as he's saying all this, you know, the Destroyer, of course, explodes basically at him, sends him flying, basically kills him. But, but Odin heard him, and Odin decided, you know what? It's time. And even in his Odin sleep, he has the power to send Mjolnir flying back to Thor's hand. Thor has just been thwacked across town by the giant not-robot that Loki has sent down from Asgard, and he's dying, but he's proven himself worthy. Uh, Thor essentially becomes worthy of uh, of the might of Thor. Um, it's, it's one of those things that he was given his power, and he was given Mjolnir to wield, and he never had to really earn it, and so now he's learned what it what it means to be a hero, what it takes to be a hero. And now that he's learned that, he is actually finally worthy of the power that comes along with it, I suppose. Boy, that was a lot of character development for a long weekend, wasn't it? So Mjolnir goes flying up out of that site that it fell into and it's zooming through like Iron Man, and he finally grabs it, and there's this giant lightning bolt, and yay, Thor has proven himself worthy! And the whole character transformation that he goes through in the story is complete. Once uh, Thor gets his power back, I don't. I feel like there's not really a fight between he and Destroyer. It's pretty... I, th I think he handles the Destroyer pretty quickly, if I... If I remember right. But I think Loki's just repeatedly getting mixed up. He's he's not trying to take power until he realizes that he's accidentally created the opportunity for him to take power. And then once that opportunity's there, he goes way overboard with it. At the end of the movie, Loki ends up way over his head with a really bonkers plan. He's decided to try to take out Thor using the Destroyer, which seems really unnecessary. I guess, I, I think maybe the idea was that if he takes out Thor, he ensures that, that Thor never comes back. 
But at the same time, he lets the Frost Giants into Asgard. And then the leader of the Frost Giants, Lofi, who's Loki's biological father, goes to try to kill Odin. Lofi is trying to kill Odin because Odin is asleep in his little space bubble. And he perches on top of Odin's chest and Lofi says something about, you know, I hear you can still see what's happening around you, which is good because I want you to know that your death comes at the hand of Lofi. And then just as he's about to kill Odin, he gets killed by Loki. And Loki says, and I want you to know your death comes at the hand of the son of Odin. And um, I just found out that Lofi is Loki's daddy. So this makes it like real crazy. His birth father. Um, But um, Loki comes in behind Lofi and kills him. His mother comes in and is like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, But I thought it was really sweet that he saved his daddy. But I did not know that he killed his biological dad. I just found that out. So, um, that's crazy. But also, um, even though that's my favorite moment because it showed him, like, having a soft side, he was still lying about it because he brought the Frost Giants there. So, it's totally his fault that he was put in that predicament. Um, and I hate him. So, it's this weird thing where it's like, yeah, Loki did a good thing there, but I'm pretty sure that was his plan all along. I think he wanted to let Lofi into Asgard just so that he could kill him in front of Odin and and kind of earn Odin's respect. It was all it was all a trick. That's all Loki does is just tricks on tricks on tricks. Loki opens the Bifrost to the Frost Giants world uh, planet. I don't know what it's called, but he opens the Bifrost like permanently and all these icicles grow up and everything. And he is trying to kill all the Frost Giants by opening the Bifrost. But I don't think I mean I I think Loki is so like distraught over finding out that he is frost giant himself that he's like, I'm just going to wipe them off the map. That's the only way I can prove that I am worthy of, of being a member of a citizen of Asgard, even though I have frost giant in my blood. And it's like, Loki dude, come on. Let's you are who you are. Your, your genetics don't determine that my dude. Like, and who you are right now is, is you're being a jerk. Just stop being a jerk and you'll be accepted as a citizen of Asgard. My dude, come on. And then Loki starts to fight with Thor. Which, again, it's kind of a, a one, one-sided thing. Uh, Loki's not really a match for Thor physically. So I do kind of wish that we had a few, uh, maybe another good Thor action scene, uh, with fully powered. And so he's trying to fight Thor and they start like jumping around and everything and then loki tricks thor um with copies of himself during the final fight between thor and loki on the bifrost loki almost dies several times and thor saves him so the first time is when uh loki appears to fall off the bifrost but turns out it's just an illusion because loki's in he's a jerk and then um thor does this like big blast thingy and knocks them all out and then um, puts his hammer on top of Loki when he's laying on the on the ground to keep him there while he figures out how to turn off the Bifrost and Loki's like taunting him saying you there's nothing you can do and then Thor um, does his little magic thing pulls his hammer to himself and then he smashes the the rainbow bridge and 
it's just such a well-done climax and the visuals oh my god the visuals are just stunning in general in this movie but it's especially great to see that thing destroyed and like parts of asgard just falling off into space like that loki's the villain and marvel loves killing their villains but thor loves his brother so fortunately he doesn't kill his brother which really it just makes this movie work then they both are hanging off the ledge while everything comes crashing down and then odin saves them and is holding them and then loki lets go bye bye loki the way that this movie handles the demise of loki is really interesting to me because we see uh when thor destroys the bifrost that loki just gets dropped off of it he's gone as far as the the end of this movie wants you to know bye bye loki and then they immediately undercut that in the after credit scene because uh, uh, Selvig is introduced to the Tesseract and we see that Loki is watching and controlling Selvig. So not only is Loki not gone, but he's also somehow able to like psychically control Selvig. It's, it's, it's just odd that they made the decision to uh, bring him back so quickly. I mean, I have to assume when they were filming thor that they knew what they were going to do with avengers so i don't know why why leave this moment where it seems so clear that he's dead and then immediately show that he's not dead i don't know it's just it's like ah, so sad that he's gone for like the eight minutes of credits and then oh wait nope he's fine my favorite dangling thread in thor is not knowing what is going to happen next once the rainbow bridge is destroyed, you know, not knowing what is going to happen next between Thor and Jane. So ending the movie with the, the rainbow bridge being destroyed and the two of them, you know, not having any, uh, a, a real good, you know, scene of closure. Like she kind of thinks he's coming right back and he never returns. And so that's a great way to end it. And um, I remember really enjoying that ending for those two and wondering how they're going to get back together, I guess. Like I said, I've seen the Avengers after this. So kind of like with the Incredible Hulk, where I asked, like, what happens to all of these secondary characters that we were introduced to in that movie? I think the only character that we hear from in the Avengers is Selvig, because he's working with S.H.I.E.L.D. on the Tesseract. What happens to Jane? Do we hear from her again? Another thing, is like, is Loki in the Captain America movie that comes up next? I'm still kind of wondering where Loki got all of his background info about Black Widow that we see in the Avengers movie, because it doesn't seem like Thor even had enough to do with S.H.I.E.L.D. in that movie to learn much about them and tell Loki about them. So I, I'm, I'm wondering where it comes from. Um, the music in this movie is something that if you're a fan of movie scores, um, which I am, I listen to a lot of film scores. I listen to mostly comic book movie scores. And the music here in Thor is very good. Actually, all of the Thor movies have exceptional scores. So if you don't have the music from this movie, if, if you do like listening to scores, I would definitely pick this one up, as well as The Dark World and Ragnarok. 
As for anything else, like I've said in other places, if Iron Man 2 had the best soundtrack of these Marvel movies so far that I've seen, this one had the best visuals. Like, I've been listening to the audiobook of John Milton's Paradise Lost, and when I, you know, try to mentally picture heaven as he's depicting it, or hell after Lucifer has been cast down and they're building their own structures that are supposed to imitate heaven and its architecture. Like, my mental pictures look kind of like how Asgard is depicted. And that's not even to mention uh, how Jodenheim looks and, like, the scenes that we see there. It's just, it's a very pretty movie. Listen, guys, I'm not a big fan of the Thor movies. I'll be honest. Thor Ragnarok, great. This movie is kind of lackluster, but it gave us Chris Hemsworth and if we can say anything, it's that the five minutes that he's shirtless in every single one of these movies might be worth the price of admission for some of us. Some of us. Um, all in all, I really like Thor. Um, you know, going with uh, Chris Hemsworth as basically an unknown actor, uh, especially for American audiences, you know, um, before this, he was Captain Kirk's, you know, father in the Star Trek reboot. I think overall, I think Thor has become one of the favorite MCU characters. I, th I really think everyone seems to love Thor. Um, they've done a really good job of making him uh, a little bit more lighthearted of a character, you know, he gets some of the funnier jokes. He gets to be kind of the big jock, but, but he's lovable, you know, and, and there's a little bit of that here in this first movie that I think, I think Thor tends to have a lot more uh, seriousness and it plays up the fantasy a little bit. And then, of course, it's the later movies, and it's Avengers, and of course, Ragnarok, and uh, Infinity War, where you get to see more of his comedic side. But there's a little bit of that here, um, especially the stuff where he's you know, smashing coffee cups and demanding a, a cat or a dog to ride you know, in town. And it's stuff like that that uh, make this movie a lot of fun. Uh, I think when I really sit back and think about Thor, the main thing that comes to mind is that this would have made a very fun, like, cartoon movie, the whole plot of I'm not worthy. Over the course of a long weekend, I make new friends, I travel to a new place, I fall in love, and I become worthy because I'm willing to sacrifice myself for people that aren't gods, I guess, is, is kind of the thing. So in terms of action, Thor swings a hammer, he beats up a guy. Great. I think that's most of the movie, we can agree. But I think what this movie did for the MCU going forward is Thor is a god. And I think when you're doing action scenes for gods, it's it tends to be a little boring. It's hard to take that balance of like, all right, this guy can do anything. And you as a viewer cannot. So how are we supposed to relate to this guy who can swing a hammer, fly, has blonde eyebrows, you know, is, is a spaceman? 
Uh, how do we relate to that? And I think there were certain steps taken to balance that going forward. Going back to kind of what I was talking about with Iron Man, you know, here in this moment, Thor realizes what it takes to become a hero. And I think that's always a really important thing, really important lesson that we need to see those those characters, you know, learn. You know, that might be what we're missing with Incredible Hulk. You know, there's not a great sequence where Banner learns what it become what it takes to become a hero. Um, he has the bit with the the helicopter where he knows that he has to face abomination, but um, that's a different movie. I think the MCU got their stride towards this movie in terms of like, all right, we're going to be teasing them. We're going to be really teasing the audience of what's coming next. We're, we're, we're going out with Avengers. Let's see what's happening. So at the end, the big old MCU end scene of this guy is Loki comes back. He's not dead. Spoiler alert. Uh, but he comes back and he's got the Tesseract. And I think that is one of those great, one of the first great moments where it's like, oh, snap, what's going to happen next? And I think that really sets up this trend going forward for the MCU. The famous Marvel end credits scene. What's going to happen next? What is, how is this going to affect the universe? Podcasters Assemble Probably is a production of the We Can Make This Work Probably podcast network. This episode edited and produced by me, Troidal Power. Find more of our shows at probablywork.com and learn how to join the initiative and contribute to future episodes of Podcasters Assemble Probably by looking us up on Twitter as at Casters Assemble. Submissions are always open. Thank you to everyone who was able to contribute to this episode. Be sure to check the show notes for links to all the places you can find them online. So at one point, Loki falls off the Bifrost, 
or so it appears. So Thor goes to try and save him, only to find out that it's one of Loki's illusions. And uh, yeah, it's just really great because they're fighting. You get to see Loki's a piece of shit. I don't know if you want me to say shit, Troy, but I just said shit. And then I said shit again. You can bleep these. You piece of shit. Um, <laughs> uh, fuck. Bonus content. This one's just for you, Troy. It's an outtake. Podcasters Assemble probably will return in Captain America, the First Avenger. Really, the Thor movies, I I really don't care about the Thor movies. Aesthetic, though, man, they've got it. They've got the smoking British guys. Oh, Chris Hemsworth's Australian. It doesn't matter.